Today on the show, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's John Paul II receiving Holy Communion in space. Meet the priests of 2017, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Oh my goodness, put your hand on the radio. It is time for the CU Weekly. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter, and we're back. It's episode number 348. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me, we got Kathleen Lee. She's a religion teacher at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metairie. That's yep. in Louisiana. It is. She is that our locally is. sourced faith ninja and bringer of bean dip. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> she Tonight, did. bean dip. Bless her you can be jealous. It's all right. It's totally okay <laughs> to be jealous of beans that are not in your hand, you know, because a bean in the hand is worth two in the dip. Uh, we've also got <laughs> Olivia Colino. She is... Right, you ready for it? She is the Associate Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Yay. Take a deep Welcome, <laughs> Olivia. Hey, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, uh, Jeff Blackwell. You know him. He's the Technical Director of the CU. Look at him. He's the Commandant of the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. And now uh, he's yeah. been in space for about, what, 17, 18 years? Uh, yes. Yeah, you lose count after a while. <laughs> I don't hey, even know how many children I have at this point. But... <laughs> <That's true. laughs> just, okay. just, just keep on counting. You know, it's an integer value, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. And, of course, uh, Ed Ball is in the video cave. He's oh, directing yeah, the show. Yeah. He's doing the graphics. And uh, we have an, a new graphics computer that's kind of running thing. So um, if it looks mm. good, tell him. If not, well, tell me, and I'll see because it's my fault. <laughs> totally my fault. <laughs> Speaking of graphics... Now I remember this uh, in in the in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a comic book. There was a, a time where Marvel Comics was was coming out with all sorts of uh, comics about famous people. In fact, they still do that. Hmm. But in the eighties, uh, there was a comic book about John Paul II. What? Yeah, have you seen this? I think so. I think you've showed it to me. I probably have it. In, in fact, I have a feeling that I've got one somewhere. I, I this just, is definitely something. Yeah, you have. I just don't know where it is. <laughs> Um, and, and so, so Marvel, of course, you know, does Spider-Man comics originated mm-hmm. Marvel, uh, the X-Men, Iron Man. But in 1983, they added a new hero that was John Paul II. Huh. Oh yeah, I know, right? And, and he was still a fairly new pope at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you can imagine, uh, drawn in the classic Marvel style, mm-hmm. it, it actually has all the hallmarks of a superhero comic book, which is really kind of a neat thing. It, it tells the story Fine. of John Paul II's life. Mm-hmm. Up until uh, up until 1983, so at this point, this would have gone from his childhood through the assassination attempt uh, on his life in mm-hmm. May of 1981. And so, what's really kind of cool is you you can download this comic on the Internet what? Archive. No way. Um, yeah, I don't know if Marvel knows about it, so uh, sorry if it's not there. <laughs> but yeah, it does. It, it takes you through his life. And so you can actually see it uh, over on, on the Internet Archive. And wow. so uh, it's really kind of a neat thing because you're able to see how things were going on um, up until up until his election at po- as Pope. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, a little bit about his life in, uh, in Poland in the underground seminary, what it was like living under uh, Nazi rule. Yeah. And uh, really, really well drawn. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was so, going to say, it's a pretty good likeness of him. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's a yeah. classic Marvel style. Um, and so, like, even when they show a close-up of him, he, he's got that, uh, that, that uh, all the backlighting behind him and everything. Yeah, yeah. So. he's got his little hair flip. That's nice. I mean, it, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, it really does look like exactly. Him. Oh, and there, there we go. You can see we're using a Windows computer for that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trying to switch computers here and talk about this at the same time. So Marvel sold millions of this issue worldwide. 
Uh, and many, of course, in 1983 were inspired by the story. I was only three years old, but uh, but I, I grew to love uh, this particular comic because I, I, man, I've got it somewhere. I know I do. Yeah, I feel like you've either brought it before I think or so. something. I've seen it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. interesting that like that millions were sold, and that doesn't mm -hmm. like what's so cool about. Uh, Pope St. John Paul II. Um, it's always a mouthful to say mm -hmm. now. It is. So I'm just like JP too. Let's just put it at that. Um, so, but what's interesting and so beautiful about his life is that he did inspire all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. like it wasn't just, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the majority of these people um, weren't all Catholic, mm -hmm. right? Some yeah. of them just liked good comic books, and they were like, "Well, this guy, look at this guy." Yeah, and some yeah. people were just I've seen curious, him on the news. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. And and so one of the things we can do is is we can perhaps uh, look at John Paul II and and uh, and say, "Well, who was who was the man?" Mm -hmm. But then we're we're invited, as you say, to to look a little bit farther and to say, "Okay, John Paul II um, is is a, a super." hero in the christian sense he's mm -hmm. a he's a juggernaut huh to be elected the pope is is uh, certainly a testament not to one's own greatness but to the greatness of the lord and and if we look at john paul ii as kind of this this far away figure then we might be kind of entertaining the thoughts well there's no way that i could be a superhero right. mm -hmm. I could, mm -hmm. I, there's no way that i could live that kind of life mm -hmm. in fact the inverse is true Mm -hmm. uh, the real reason that that comics like this exist is to spur us on. Even though Marvel, a, a you know secular comic mm -hmm. con company, did this, it recognized there was something heroic about his life, and that's actually here we are, 2017. Why we call him Saint John mm -hmm. Paul II? Mm -hmm. It's because his life was heroic on Earth, and it spurred us on yeah. to victory. Uh, mm -hmm. It can. Yeah. And I love how you know, I'm looking at the the church pop article that you linked to, and mm -hmm. there's this you know um, headshot comic uh, drawing of of Carol Voitia, and it's just the simple little thought bubble. But there's you know this burst of light behind him, and says, "I want to become a priest, Father." <laughs> and it's like really dramatic, and so I, I kind of laughed or you know guffawed at it at first, and then I was <laughs> like. No, that's something that's really remarkable. That's a that's a, a heroic statement, you yeah. know, to to say just to admit that and be like, I think this is something I want. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, in in light of vocations. It can be anything, just in, in mm -hmm. the light of following God and what He's asking you to do. Yeah, uh, my vocation was very much that. I remember passing through the living room one day and saying, Dad, I think I want to be a priest. Mm -hmm. You know, really? and yeah, eh, it's just that simple. What did yeah. he say? He said. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, it, and so it, it, we had to have a chat about what that meant, you know. But, uh, but yeah, and and so it is possible for us to see, even in com, especially in comic books, something that we can emulate, you know. Yeah. Even even that simple thing. I want to be a priest. Well, what's stopping you, young man, from telling your dad, your mom? That? Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. nothing at all. So you might ask, what was John Paul II's superpower, right? Now, there, there are some spiritual ones that we could certainly talk about, right? Yeah. Oh. I guarantee, okay, I can't guarantee it. I have a really strong feeling that he and Benedict both are one of those people who have, like, the grace of the Holy Spirit to understand everything that yeah. they have read. Yeah, that's called, that's called uh, infusion, correct? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a complete understanding yeah. of what they've read. Yeah. Or, I, or what they're teaching. I would stake a lot on yeah. it. And that is a spiritual <laughs> gift, Jeff, by the mm -hmm. way. To be able to look at something and immediately understand it, that, that is a spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. uh, to look at a scripture verse and understand, uh, to be able to interpret it from all the different points of departure. Yeah, the gift of infusion of knowledge. Mm, agreed. Did yeah. I get it right? Is that it? Yeah. Is that uh, I, I think that, I, well, I think it could be. I bet he probably also had knowledge of souls. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think, pure and simple, right? He didn't have a hammer or a shield. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he has. I mean, he has his well, coat of arms. Yeah. You know? He fought um, the hammer and sickle. He did fight the hammer there and sickle. Oh, yeah. He couldn't fly that what? we know of. No. I, I'm just saying. But the cape. Right. He, he, he did. He did have. Uh, yeah, the, the kappa. Yeah. Right. That's true. Right. Loosely translates to cape, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. What he did do. <laughs> What he did do is is he lived his life in a radical way. Yeah. In fact, he even at some point he laid down his life, huh? sure. uh, oh, the assassination yeah. attempt. Yeah. And uh, our lady snatched him back, as he would say. You know, yeah. she saved me. She was the one who interceded. Wow. And then, of course, uh, he also showed us something that we often don't see in superhero comic books. Although you kind of do if you read Superman and, and some of the more messianic mm-hmm. kind of comics, is John Paul II taught us how to suffer. Yeah. In the midst of life, especially mm. towards the end of his life, so many of us uh, in in my age range, on the in our late twenties and and moving into the forties, uh, the the John Paul II we know knew um, was was towards the the kind of the the peak of his of his travel, and then he was beginning to to show signs of Parkinson's and and to show yeah. uh, mm-hmm. show his age, and he showed us heroic heroic witness and suffering. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I still remember is yeah. is that uh, and and then even before that he lived his life as a radical witness for for none other than Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it for earthly glory. He didn't do it so that he could be a president or a prime minister, but so that so that his own countrymen, his own people of Poland, could be freed from the hammer and sickle, from communist rule. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could dare say that because of his intercession while he was alive, uh, communist rule by and large became a thing of the past mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in many countries without a shot being fired. Right. Yeah. Which is something. You know, I look at I look at his life and I think, you know, he he loved our lady and that was his his papal, you know, motto, totus mm-hmm. tuus. Yeah. Totally yours. That yes, right? And he continued like from the beginning, just said yes to the Lord. Yep. Like that just was- continued to say yes. You know, I'm, this is going to be difficult. That's okay. Yes. You know, I want to be a priest. Yes. You know, um, I want to continue to study the priesthood. Yes, I want you know, I want you to be the pope. No, mm-hmm. yes, you know, like, <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, and he and, and in very small ways and in very big ways, he just said yes, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. like, it can be a hard thing to do, but you know, that's how we. If we can say yes in the small things, then how much. You, how much more grace do we have to say yes? That's right. When the Lord does times. ask us right. for for something which, big, which you know mm-hmm. calls us to superhero status. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, because that's what separates a saint from from a sinner who doesn't turn towards the mm-hmm. Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the saint, even here on earth, we're called to be saints right here, right now. The saint is one who gives him or herself heroically for Christ, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in the context of your family life, um, providing for them whether it's in the context of, of your work life, huh? trying to be the one person who isn't a complete you-know-what at the water cooler. <laughs> yeah. you know, those, are little, those are little steps towards sainthood that we begin to do now. Mm-hmm. You know? um, we, we may not face down communism or radical Nazism. I mean, the stuff that we're dealing with in yeah. our own United States uh, is, is, I don't even know if I would, if I would dignify it with that. I think yeah. it's, I think it's a, a lack of... A lack of a, a lack of subjectivity. This mm-hmm. is something again that Pope Saint John Paul II would talk about. When we begin to see the other as offensive for mm-hmm. any reason at all, we begin to use them as an object. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the opposite of love is not hate; it is use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's what we're seeing. And yeah. of course, that Saint Pope Saint John Paul II said that. Mm-hmm. And and we may not have to deal with with a lot of those same issues, but we too can be heroic. Mm-hmm. And that's what the saints remind us of. You know, um, now. 
as uh, as Jim uh, Jim Hayes, who who uh, writes for the show, he's one of our our, uh, our line producers. Says our lives will more likely be little flowers and Marvel heroes, mm-hmm. but we should be inspired by both heroes. Mm-hmm. Huh? The little flower um, was certainly one. There actually have been comic books about her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, I don't know. I don't think I can be one of these big giant saints, one of these juggernauts, one of these Dominics or Benedicts or Francis's. Mm-hmm. But I will be love. Yeah, I can be a little. A little flower. I can do little things. And so wherever you fall on that spectrum, you know, oftentimes we think about sainthood as having a comic book written about us one day. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Yeah. yeah. It's simply doing small things with great love. Mm-hmm. You know? I talked to my students this uh, this past week was our first week of school, and I was talking to them about the idea that, um, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, probably in our lifetime, we, we won't face a lot of these things like John Paul II faced. Yeah. You know? And... I don't know if that makes it harder mm-hmm. or easier to be a Christian. You know, like mm-hmm. we become kind of like lazy and lackadaisical and just like, oh, well, you know, I'll, it's not hard to go to church. So if I go or not, you know, yeah. but I, you know, I imagine these saints that had to go to, ch- go to mass in secret mm-hmm. or who had to, you know, like John Paul II had to study in seminary in secret. Mm-hmm. You know, there was such a desire in his heart. Um, that it was something that he he had to work for, yeah. and yeah. even risk his life. And I think, man, you know, I, I don't. I, I kind of wish I had that in my life. Well, and, and it's a, a sense, weird thing to say. In every but like, age, it's different. Though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, we we know very well. We face first of all our own inclination towards sin, our concupiscence. Mm-hmm. Then we face. Uh, we certainly face the spirit of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this fallen world in which we live. Uh, which, if you want to see the spirit of the world, just turn on any other channel other than this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then but of don't course, do it right now. No, don't do it right now. Uh, and then, of course, we, we, we fight Satan himself, the mm-hmm. evil one himself and his demons. And so uh, we do have to face the enemies of our soul mm-hmm. as superheroes. huh? Right. And what makes us superheroes in, in the order of Christian life but grace. Mm-hmm. Grace is what gives us ordinary human beings the ability to do supernatural things. Um, are we building a foundation of faith centered on the Holy Mass? Mm. Uh, do we compromise our faith in what we do and what we say? Uh, do we live and inspire others with our example of living a Christ-centered life? These are all things that we can give lip service to and never actually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and, and do we collaborate with modernity uh, and with relativism to weaken our resolve and the resolves of others to mm-hmm. try to live uh, saintly lives? You know. I've said it so many times, and you probably get tired of me from saying it, uh, but but so many of us never graduate high school in mm-hmm. our head. Yeah. We we don't we don't ever fall away from that same kind of one upsmanship and trying to to be seen as as both lovable and loving, you know, mm-hmm. able to love. And it is in the saints that we see uh, that reflection that we are lovable, we are loved by God, and we are capable of expressing that love. And we don't do it erotically mm-hmm. or, or passionately in the carnal sense, but we do it, first of all, with small acts of charity, with recognizing the other as a subject of Almighty God. Mm-hmm. Like in the gospel this weekend, you know, uh, he, he recognizes the Canaanite woman as someone who is genuinely desiring an mm-hmm. encounter with the Lord, not for herself, but for her daughter who is tormented by a demon. And until we do that, then we, we, we risk simply falling to the way of the world. That's not who we're called to be. Mm-hmm. So when in doubt, be a saint. We are the Catholic Underground. Uh-huh. We are back. Yeah. 
I've kind of it. feeling the groove a little bit. Yes. I've missed all the, the music track and mm-hmm. this is this is great. Yeah. Surfing music. It is. This is this is uh this is like the the what is it, the the Beach Boys. This is the Yeah. Yeah. The easy stuff that we can use. This that, is like uh, the pina colada, the royalty-free version of the Beach Boys. Well, this is uh, the the blues appeal uh, version, and then ah. there, I'll pull up the surfer uh, version. Okay, well, yeah, oh, we'll yeah. Use that. Exactly. Okay. Jeff can yeah. do that. Yeah, so he can uh, do anything. We, we we talked through my vamp, but this is what you're supposed to hear now. <laughs> you're listening to the Catholic Underground. We are online at catholicunderground.tv. I'm Father Chris Decker, joined by Jeff Blackwell up in space. We've got Olivia Galino and Kathleen Lee. Well, and our <laughs> picks of the week are coming up. Uh, but first, we, we've talked about this from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong, of course, was an Episcopalian and, mm-hmm. uh, and did bring with him um, their Holy Communion service whenever mm-hmm. he went to the moon. But what's it like to be a Catholic and to receive the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ present, mm-hmm. fully, really, in the Eucharist in space? Hmm. Interesting. In I space, can't. no one can hear you chant. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I, like my brain can't even compute that. Yeah, this is a really interesting story. I mean, those of you who you were just coming off a of summer, so maybe you were traveling, or uh, you were at the beach, or maybe you travel for business. Um, and there's you always. I'm always on mass masstimes.org trying mm-hmm. to figure out oh, where... Oh, I've got to make sure my mass times are updated on that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just thinking. Right? Where yeah. can I go to celebrate mass? But if you're 241 miles above the Earth in the <laughs> International Space Station for six months, what you going to do? do that? Yeah. I don't think they have that on masstimes.org. <laughs> although, this... although the moon and probably the International Space Station is part of the Diocese of Orlando. Oh, Just yeah. Just so you know. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But Good. typically, typically it's hard to get a shuttle up there. Yeah. You know, the diocese probably didn't have that kind of cash. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah. So, but this was the question, right, for a NASA astronaut and and Catholic convert, Mike Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Right. In September of 2013, he was going to be sent up to the International Space Station for six months. Um, And there was one thing, one person that he didn't want to leave behind, and that would be Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. He was born actually a Methodist, um, but he was like his fam his his wife and his and he raised his children Catholic. And mm-hmm. so in December of 2012 he completed RCIA cool. and became a Catholic, mm-hmm. which is awesome. He said he had a really good priest who took him under his wing and answered all of his questions on his journey to the priest. Thank God. I mean I mean on the, his journey to the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank God yeah. for good priests and mm-hmm. good people just willing to answer questions. Right. Cuz man, I know with my students, like that's yeah. what I tell them. I'm like any question you have, yeah, whatever just you got ask it right Mm -hmm. just ask it and so he was like man i don't know when i go up to space like how is this gonna work i'm not quite sure am i obligated to go to mass (laughs) (laughs) do i what is going on and so he asked his priest um and he said his his priest at his parish and the deacon there as well um started asking questions to the archdiocese like what would we need to do to allow him to take the Eucharist up? Mm-hmm. Um, so they did a lot of legwork and a lot of, um, I would imagine, first-time questioning. Yeah. yeah right. You know, um, how do we do this? Um, and so they worked it out that he was able to take up a small pix um, that had six um, consecrated hosts, mm-hmm. consecrated wa- six wafers, um, and they were divided into four each. So he had 24 opportunities mm-hmm. um, to receive communion on orbit, he says. 24. Um, wow. Yeah. And so the weekend before he left for Russia because they, they flew up out of Russia, um, 
they that's, right. that's a that's our current provider yeah. of uh of capsule right and so he mm. went to mass one last time the priest consecrated the wafers and he he took mm-hmm. it up i always think it's funny when we say wafer yeah, yeah. that's uh, a weird yeah, thing yeah the, the the traditional way that we say is host right mm-hmm. so yeah. so so what is a host but host is is an object into which something can can dwell mm-hmm. yeah. and so yeah. transubstantiation yeah. in that process uh the the piece of bread wafer yeah. uh, mm-hmm. becomes a host for our Lord to transubstantiate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we oftentimes use the word host. Uh, you always, the, the uninitiated often use wafer. Wafer. Yeah, I always find. Anyway, yeah. that's just me. I, this, this is from a, um, a National Catholic Register article. Yeah. And you never quite know who who's writing the article. But yeah. I guess if you're writing for a wide audience, you use a yeah, readily accessible word. Yeah, I always feel word. too that if I say host, that I mean like a consecrated host. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. Host oftentimes, that. oftentimes that's the case. Yeah, because yeah. wafer yeah. tends to be more of like a non-denominational word, Correct. or like something yeah. that yeah. that you would use, yeah, for a non-Catholic. <laughs> Perhaps we're getting caught up in the minutia of the story. Back to yeah. Kathleen. We like we like linguistics here on the. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Welcome to philology 101. Yeah. yeah. So astronaut Hopkins, as we will refer to him, Mike mm-hmm. Hopkins, um, said that all three agencies, right, the church, mm-hmm. NASA, and the Russian space agency, he said he had a really good encounter with all three That's of awesome. them. That's awesome. That's evangelization right yeah, there. Yeah, I love that. Like, there's know? a picture of him, hmm. if you're watching on uh, online. On the, on the live stream. Yeah. He says this, quote, so it was just one thing after another. All these doors opened up, and I was able to take the Eucharist up, and I was able to have communion basically every week. Wow. He says, NASA has been great. There are quite a few astronauts who are very religious. We are practicing our faith, we're not silent about that. Mm. And so what a great way for, for him to be kind of the, you know, I don't know before if they've ever had to ask this question or yeah. if anybody has ever uh, been a practicing Catholic and gone up in space. Not I don't, I've I, don't heard of. I don't imagine yeah. that a lot of people go into space. So out of that, there are a few Catholics and of those, which ones, you know, we're like, well, this is something that is important mm-hmm. to me. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's worth saying, so what's a Catholic to do, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, technically, if you can't get to a church, Especially yeah, if it's you know, 200 and however many miles down, yeah. you know, uh, then you are not obligated, of course. You know, uh, you, you fall into the same person who the same uh, category as someone who is ill or someone caring for the sick. If mm-hmm. you're, or even if you are traveling and there's absolutely no way to get to Mass, well, then you're not obligated to go because yeah. you can't meet that obligation realistically. Mm-hmm. There's no sin there. Um, but, but how beautiful it is to, to say, my faith, I'm, I'm a new Catholic, I'm a baby Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is there a way that I can do this? This is one of the things, this I, I would categorize within the new evangelization. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a new Catholic who is in, in a field in which we oftentimes don't think about religion. Sure. Right. Yeah. Although I can imagine whenever you're orbiting uh, the mm-hmm. earth, you're probably saying, my God, it yeah. is full of stars, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Well, it reminds yeah. me of, was it Einstein who said, you know, when you start studying physics, you're f- like from, when you start drinking from the glass of physics, your first drink will make you an atheist. But when you get to the bottom of the glass there, you'll find God. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm thinking about as we're, you know, talking about this. Like, this is an astronaut, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. who, yeah. who wanted, so, who desired so much to have Christ present to him um to make himself a tabernacle even in space yeah that he you know jumped through all of these logistical hoops and just yeah. i don't know how do we so mm-hmm. that he could he could have christ with him and and be with christ you know sure. in the body of christ while still while in space yeah. i just yeah. think that's incredible the thing that gets it about me is that he wasn't just kind of ho-hum about it yeah you know? but he recognized that this was a special 
experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, and he talks about times when you know, and I'm I'm even wondering if the time and space, like how many days does he know that it's a Sunday? Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not quite oh, yeah. sure. I don't know about space. Well, they do have time. calendars up there. Yeah, but I mean, like, but rotations and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he talks about the times when he did receive these 24 hosts. And he says, um, he recounts, quote, there were a couple of times when I received communion on, I'll say, special occasions. I did two spacewalks. So on the morning of both of those days, when I went out for the spacewalk, I had communion. Mm-hmm. It was really helpful, helpful for me to know that Jesus was with me when I went out the hatch into the vacuum of space. Oh, my goodness. Talk what? about spiritual breathing there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, did you know that you're just, you're going out into yeah into the vast you're unknown. going out into the void and yet yeah. you are filled with f- mm-hmm. the fullness of, of truth yeah. oh that's a yeah. there's a homily right and then there. he says and then i received my last communion on my last day on orbit in the cupola which is the large window that looks down at the earth mm-hmm. and that was a very special moment before i came home what cool like you are in space looking down at creation mm-hmm. you know receiving communion and and in wonder and awe yeah. at, at what is being and it's important also to to note that there is a ritual for communion outside of mass so in the same way that the priest reads from the missal um, whenever someone uh, offers uh, communion to the sick or whenever uh, they've <laughs> they're in space there is a ritual uh, for communion outside of mass and so presumably he also yeah, was he able to be. to follow the the liturgy for that yeah. Yeah. so even even liturgy in space is cool there have been a lot of that books is. written about yeah. that yeah. Really? Uh, a canticle for Leibowitz is one there's mm-hmm. one called the sparrow i believe about yeah. jesuits in space um, and things like that yeah. yeah well i just think this is awesome too because you can tell that he's not trying to impose his own meaning onto receiving christ in space he's yeah. just recognizing that this is something that is already that's right you know monumentally special yeah. um and yeah. i'm just taking part of it and that is what making that's what's making his experience mm-hmm. special yeah. You know, so yeah being an astronaut's helped his faith he said yeah right? he, he talked a little bit about how like i mean i would imagine even being an astronaut and being trained um you know that when you go on a spacewalk or when you go out into the vacuum of space like it can be frightening when the rocket launches it can be scary right but to know to say a prayer or to receive communion um you know, and know that Christ is, is physically present with you there. Um, you know, it strengthens his faith. And in those times of, of fear, you know, he was able to go back and lean on the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and especially those times when he received communion. Yep. Like, how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. Yep. He says, uh, things can go wrong and hurry up there and yeah. consequences can be quite bad. I had my faith in that constant leaning on Jesus, realizing he's in control and I'm not in control. So when you're sitting on that rocket getting ready to launch, you say a prayer and get the job done, yes. quote unquote. Well, well, to you, um, astronaut, uh, what's his last name here? Hopkins. Hopkins. Mm-hmm. To you, astronaut Hopkins, we salute you uh, with a CU high five. Yes, so, yeah. indeed. Uh, isn't that awesome, Jeff? <laughs> I just is. think that's really oh, cool. My, it yeah. is. It's yeah, really I, I, can, I can only hope that, uh, that one of these days we will have dioceses in the stars. I was about to say, they'll yes. station you on the International Space Station. <laughs> that ought to get rid of me. <laughs> I'm coming to visit. I'm coming to visit. <laughs> anyway, we are the Catholic Underground. Stick right with us. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, 
Grant, we beseech you, through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, St. Joseph, her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Hi, welcome back. You found the Gathic Underground. Yeah, we're Somehow. just taking a look outside there in space. Yeah, that's right. It's awful dark out there. Chad, if you're on how the live knows stream. It? I am Father Chris Decker, joined by Olivia Galino, oh, yeah. Kathleen Lee, Jeff Blackwell. Our picks of the week are coming up. But first. A space cadet, Kathleen Lee. Thank it you. Is, yeah, Kathleen. <laughs> I have you now know, promoted uh, myself. You know, Chris Price, who sometimes works the board whenever mm-hmm. Jeff is out. Of course, yes. he, he's now living and working in New Orleans, yeah. so he doesn't get over Boo. that often. But, but I gave him the title space cadet yeah. since mm-hmm. he was on the Jeff Star One. Yeah. He That's liked, okay, uh, Kathleen. You like that. You're spacier I'm enough for all of us. Space cadet, she thank is, you. I will outrank. Well, because even cadets, of course, cadets have ranks too. So. When you watch the new Star Trek, you'll be able to see that. They have special I pips still, on them. I still anyway. hold, I still oh, hold so. Lieutenant yeah. Space Cadet. I think Chris will be okay if you, uh, other Chris, will be okay yeah. if you outrank him. Yeah, he would probably be very much okay with that. <laughs> I'll make a pin for myself. <laughs> we'll have a ceremony. Uh, are you craft challenged? I don't... I, I was <laughs> just I wondering. I am crafty. Okay. Because I have friends that are not allowed to use scissors or tape or glue oh, yeah, yeah. or construction paper. Hot glue gun, I got to wear gloves. Okay. That's right. That's right. Mm. Like, the, like the dragon mail yeah, gloves. Uh-huh. That, yeah. yeah, like the ones that people wear when hawks come and land on them. <laughs> A falconer's glove. Golly, Kathleen like gets the, the vocabulary word of the day. Use the, um, the she just referenced falconry. That's mm-hmm. the first. I have to use super, super big ones, super big guns, because the hands aren't that dumb. <laughs> And then a falcon lands on your hand. What are you to do? I don't. Well, it's what you need when you it's have a dangerous a, job in crafting industrial strength hot glue guns. I'm not really sure how to lead into the uh, to the actual story there. But and we're back. It's been a while, folks. Obviously, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, so so um, you might be wondering who the new priests of the class of 2017 are. Woohoo! You well, might. Yeah, you might. Uh, well, and since we're we're coming on the air here, uh, really a little past midway, mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We got data for you. That's Ooh. right. Bring it. And we yeah, have a priest, not. so I feel like that validates our commentary. Right. No. That's right. I'm an old priest now, though. <laughs> you really? Yeah. When did you make that transition from being a new priest to an old priest? I think your second pastorate will do it. And, okay. Uh, and I think ten years. Which you have yeah, very I, I much celebrated. Ten, ten years this year. And, uh, and once, to you. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Yeah. Once you once you hit ten years, you really have seen and heard just about everything. I think <laughs> as a priest, you know, yeah. not that not that you're not surprised and amazed by by God's presence and God's grace, um, but but you're you're kind of doing the the day to day. I would imagine Jeff uh, being married for ten years or or more. Mm-hmm. After ten years, you go, yeah, this is this That's is the, this is it. This is this is marriage. Yes, uh, that's a good start anyway. I, yeah, right. I, I really feel like uh, even the older I get and the kids get grown, uh, then you, you kind of reach a, a just a different maturity level of Yeah, that's marriage. true. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I, I Believe me, I know there's more to learn. Golly. Oh, yeah. Those are dangerous oh, yeah. words. I mean, if you're like, oh, well, I'm just kind of 
Get ready, because this week. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, the Lord and I know about all that. Yes, yeah. indeed. He's I like love a, it when Father Chris says something like that, because then yeah, the, the Lord <laughs> next says, week I'm going to hear all about it. The Lord says, enjoy this brief respite, Christopher. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, then you um, can go and help our new priests, our baby priests. That's true. And, and we've got yeah. a couple in our own diocese uh, mm-hmm. as well. And yeah. So, and this, I love this CARA study from, that comes out of the Georgetown um, University every year. Um, mm-hmm. It's the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate um, is what CARA stands for. Um, and every year they do a national survey of seminarians um, scheduled for ordination to the priesthood. So ordinands is what, mm-hmm. they're, what we're calling them. Um, and they do it in conjunction with the USCCB, so you know it's legit. Um, <laughs> but this year's survey um, con- contacted about 600 seminarians, um, about 590. 440 of them completed the survey, so that's a pretty good um, you know, data pool. So out of those, about 340 are becoming diocesan priests, and just over 100 will become religious order priests. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of them are being ordained or were ordained this past summer. Um, and, you know, the survey is great because it includes a wide variety of questions. It kind of just helps you get a handle on, you know, who are there these people. There were a lot of different questions. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I, I have the thing us. printed out on my desk because that's, you know, part of the thing that I have to do now. That's right. Um, right. And, wow. Or I want to keep abreast of. And, and mm-hmm. so I printed it out. It's like, yeah, it's 44 pages long. So I, I printed it out and I was like, this is going to take me a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's got lots of fun graphs, which I think are cool. Um, (laughs) But, you know, they go through everything, basic demographics, family size, how much education they have, what their work history is like. You know, are they fresh out of high school? Have they worked for a while? Uh, Are they later in life vocations? Um, And just the different uh, kind of pathways to their vocation. Hmm. Um, So we're going to help you sift through some of this data. Um, Sift away. So, uh, and, you know. Stay with us. If it gets to be a lot of numbers, we'll ease into something else. <laughs> That's, um, right. That's right. So one of the things they found is that uh, Catholic priests, more often than not, come from Catholic families that participate in the life of the church. I tell my parishioners this a lot. Yeah, yeah and that's that just kind of the sense. bottom line of it is, you know, if you if you have someone who's considering priesthood, it's because as a family, their parents and their family have made a decision to be mm-hmm. active in the church. That's right. In whatever way that manifests for those particular people, for that particular family, because it'll look different from from family to family, from yeah. parish to parish. But active is the is the the kind of underlying common right. denominator. Um, Because, you know, the reality is that priests don't just pop up out of the rectory fully formed, you know, like, we're ready to go. We know everything. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You want to speak to that? (laughs) Um, It really is within a loving and Catholic family that the quiet whisper of discernment is heard by many aspiring priests Mm. and is allowed to be cultivated, you know, because there's, I'm sure there's plenty of, I'm, I'm certain that there's plenty of aspirants or um, mm-hmm. people who would consider the vocation to priesthood but they hear that whisper and there's no one to help kind of magnify it right, right. Um, and and there's not that environment to help nurture it and so maybe it gets stifled maybe it just goes away because nothing is ever done about it mm-hmm. and then you know who knows maybe maybe the person does eventually become a priest uh, later in life or maybe they don't ever and that's just something that that we have missed out on right. as a as a people um, and so we ha- have a responsibility to help nurture these things. That's right. And, and it's worth saying, families. too, that, uh, that the, the results are in if fathers are part of their family, yeah, right. if fathers practice their faith, vocations are almost uh, a given as right. a part of that, you know? Yeah. And, and especially, you know, we always, I, I almost hate to say it, but, you know, we, we talk about the priest shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, there's a shortage in a, there's shortages in a lot of different areas in the church. Um, but, you know, thinking about how the percentage of Catholics attending mass weekly has yeah. plummeted. 
that contributes to the fact that we have fewer sure. vocations to the priesthood. Yep. You know, so it's it's a we're a family. You know, so it, it, it's not just one of us; it's all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all contribute, and we all show the signs of uh, fatigue and of shortage mm-hmm. um, and stress. Even and stress. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So just some basic demographics I found interesting. Um, it kind of roughly matches the demographics of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. seven out of 10 are white mm-hmm. uh, and the average age is 34, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So that was a little older than I thought. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it was a little younger whenever I was ordained yeah. because there were, there were fewer, um, the numbers were on the way up, but there were still fewer men who were, who were entering, um, out of out of high school, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or rather, I should say, there were fewer men that were entering uh, after second career, and there were more okay. at my time right, that were out of high school or yeah, or and that's less college. common now. Yeah. They're at least going to yeah. some college or working mm-hmm. for a little bit. And I also, you know, think it's interesting. Seven out of ten are white. I also, see, you know, I see a, like a rise in the Hispanic church. Sure. So I can, I wonder if like in the next five to ten years, if that will start to shift. <laughs> Jeff's going to tell you a story in a minute about. Uh, about uh, us at a, a Mexican restaurant, and one of the servers came over. Yeah. Uh, and uh, after I attempted uh, some rudimentary Spanish, he says, "But, but, Father, I'm interested in being a priest. What? Oh. Do, how do I do that?" Mm. Wow. And so I was yeah. able to give him the the number for our vocation. And the thing is, you never can take Father Chris out to, to mm-hmm. dinner because uh, no. it's either people yeah. he knows or people who want to meet him or <laughs> ask me about my vocation. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. No, it was. Uh, oh, wow. It's really humbling uh, to to be, and, and it's just like, oh, so that's why we chose this restaurant. That young man, and my wife was saying, the guy's been standing over there watching us the whole time wow. while we were having dinner. I used to be freaked out by him. Now, yeah, you know. Yeah. Aw, that's beautiful though. And it you know, is. you see the feminine genius because she noticed it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Here, here. Mm-hmm. Um, so rounding out the kind of basic demographics uh, section, most of the ordinands uh, for this year had at least one sibling. Um, oh, okay. So you know, coming from a family of of yeah. some numbers. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. You know, you're an only child, and I, I know other um, priests and seminarians who are only children. So it's not the you know. They're not, you're not just the exception to the rule, but no. it just it does tend to be a, a trend. Um, and it's, uh, it really is in the family and the church life of the seminarians that the differences can be seen. You know, these are not what we call CEOs. They're not Christmas <laughs> and Easter only Catholics. Right. Um, because like we said, these are, fa- they come from families who are very actively living out their faith and then mm-hmm. putting that effort in. Um, and when just looking at education, Actually, eight of the respondents, um, so the 440 who who actually filled out the survey, 88% sorry, were homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And that's compared to a, a national average of 3% of children who are homeschooled. Oh, wow. So there is, you know, there is a, a larger percentage of, um, of ordinands, at least for this past year, who were homeschooled. I mean, it's almost 10%. Yeah. Um, so one in 10. Uh, and, you know, while it's not exclusively a religious thing, the beliefs of the parents are very much a, a, a major reason for homeschooling. Well, yeah. If, you know? Yeah. And if your family is active in the church, it would make sense that that's, that it's yeah, fostered it's, not only in the home, but also in the school, which is in the home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And, you know, and if you're homeschooling, it's because you care very deeply about, you know, what your child, not to say that if you send your child to a, a you know, a parochial school, a Catholic school, a private school, a public school, whatever that you don't, but you know, you, you're obviously showing great care that I want my child to learn at least this Yeah. and, you know, and I'm going to make sure of it cause I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's interesting that 40, between 40 and 50% of the ordinands attended a Catholic school. Um, and the percentage of Catholic school students nationally is only 9.7%. So that's a nice big chunk. Yeah, It is a big chunk. Go ahead, Catholic schools. Yeah. yeah. 
And also, it's interesting, you know, I think for us, because, you know, in, in Louisiana, a lot of people go to Catholic school just because that's kind of the the mm-hmm. culture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to me that, you know, f- at least 50 to 60% attended public school, homeschool, some other kind of yeah. private school, you know, um, so that there's there's vocations being fostered there and it's happening through the parish life. Right. You know, it's not just an automatic. That's right. Um, well, for me, that was very much the case. I went yeah. to elementary school and middle school and Catholic school, but went to a public high school. And so my involvement in the life of, of the parish and on the Dawson level with youth ministry really mm-hmm. was kept, what kept me anchored besides my family connections. So yeah. it's neat to see that that's still uh, happening. Yeah. You know? You're just bucking all of these stereotypes. Jeez. No, you're welcome. <laughs> My brother's oh. seminarians could have told you that <laughs> 10 well. years ago, 20 years ago now. Almost. Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to vocational discernment, you know, we always say, or at least my boss has a way of saying that, um, that youth ministry begins at baptism. Yes. Um, and so it, when looking at the, the family dynamics of these ordinands, um, almost all of the responding ordinands were baptized Catholics as infants, and the number is 93%. Wow. So that's a, an hmm. overwhelming majority. Uh, and then among those who did become Catholic later in life, the average age of conversion was 21. So they're <laughs> having these kind of college-age conversions. Yeah, which, yeah. which is, speaks, we would do well to listen yeah that that our college campuses are a possible powerhouse yeah. of vocations mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah. your catholic yeah. student centers yeah. have so much potential yeah to to grab kids when they're at such a risk of falling away or finding something or else just that falling seems... finding apathy right yeah. mm-hmm. it's so easy to find apathy mm-hmm. and and so we as catholics have to be there right in the court of the gentiles to bring them into the temple mm-hmm. you know if i may yeah use a temple reference that's, I did. I'll allow it. Thank you. Uh, and four and five, so eighty percent of the responding ordinance um, reported that both their parents were Catholic when they had children, mm-hmm. um, and one in three has or had a relative who is a priest or religious. So there was that influence, you know, from their parents, but also from a kind of extended family okay. of um, not only you know practicing Catholics, but people who were who were following vocations, answering vocations. Um, and this is this is amazing to me. Ninety-seven percent had at least one sibling. 97. Huh. Uh, and on average, the respondents have at least three siblings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is, you know, so, it's so a big family, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Quote, mm-hmm. big family. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that, you know, while these are like larger than average families, you know, especially nowadays, um, more than anything, it's not to say like if you have a lot of kids, you know, the numbers are in your favor, you're going to get a priest. Yeah. It just shows an openness to church teaching, right. you know, that you're open to life. You're also open to everything that that life entails. Mm-hmm. But I wonder too, if it has to do with, well, I don't feel a pressure to, to be my, you know, like to, to give my parents grandchildren oh, to be yeah. the only oh. one, you know, I wonder if that yeah. has, has anything to do with it as well. I, I guess it depends on your parents. Mine were just so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they said, oh, we're going to have plenty of grandchildren. They're going to be as parishioners, right? <laughs> My parents, Sweet. let me tell you, I, they, they understood more of, uh, of priestly identity mm-hmm. and, and theology than I did whenever I was a seminarian. Yeah. yeah. Just really awesome. But many, many parents are finally coming, I say finally, are coming around to the idea that to, to give your child to become a lawyer is, is noble. To yeah. give your child to become a doctor, noble. Mm. But to give your child to the church, mm. to allow the church to form them to possibly become a priest, that that is something that you can't put any sort of other qualifier on right. other than, Lord, you helped bring them into the world. I give them to you to do with as you, pre- as you please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when parents really truly see that, that giving of their children to the church is an extension of the practice of their faith, 
then then grandchildren they they will come if they're supposed to but if they don't it's not it's not a mark of bad parenting if you don't have grandchildren right, yeah. right. you know i right. think sometimes we we do we tend to think that sometimes mm-hmm. yeah because we discount the you know the reality of spiritual family mm-hmm. um when we are a spiritual family um and it's it's interesting because the the care study it went into it you know you're getting the, the feel for this it went into everything but they also went into you know what kind of faith life we're saying that that, that these ordinaries these kids or younger or older adults had some kind of faith life, but what was the content of it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they look at how their faith was formed uh, before they entered seminary. Uh, and the the number one, uh, I guess, devotion um, that influenced positively uh, ordination was Eucharistic adoration. Yeah. 77% um, said that on a regular basis, they attended Eucharistic adoration. And, and for me, that's actually what kind of clicked off the boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was at a, a retreat at the Benedictine Abbey in our um, in our province and I'd never seen Eucharistic adoration before ever yeah and that encounter was what made it just crystal clear mm-hmm. that not only was the Lord calling me to that to, to the to discern the priesthood but also he was calling me to Eucharistic adoration again right yeah. you know so yeah, drawing 70, you into relationship. 77 percent is not a small number yeah. no it's not right. um Mm-mm. and that's across the board of diocesan and religious um religiously ordained priest yep um so next in line is the rosary 69 percent pray the rosary on a regular basis and again this is all on a regular basis mm-hmm. um almost half attended prayer group or bible study or some kind of um you know way to so to your share parish the faith has its part to play mm-hmm. you Absolutely. Know, your parish or your student center has a part to play Very yeah important. and cultivating those communities of young adults where they can you know inspire that in each other Mm -hmm. super important yep um, two and five, so around 38% went to high school retreats. Okay. Um, very important. <laughs> That's Kathleen's uh, area of expertise. That's my jam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, next in line, 34% went to a college retreat um, or participated in Lexio Divina. That's about 30%. And then uh, 59% participated in some kind of religious education program in their parish, you know, so um, for seven years on average. So thinking mm-hmm. back to, you know, f- about 50 to 60% of the ordinands went to some kind of public school, private school, somewhere that was not a Catholic school. So they would have had to go to what yeah. we call like PSR or CCD. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, they're participating in that for at least seven years. They're getting that kind of good formation. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, they, they were active in not only in their faith in the parish, but in bringing it out. Um, so about half of them um, participated in parish youth groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always a service component to that, an evangelization component to that. Um, and about three out of ten of the responding ordinance partic- participated in some kind of Catholic campus ministry, like a Newman Center mm-hmm. or Boy Scouts or just your Catholic. Your, um, I'm your, amazed at the number of priests who are Boy Scouts. Mm. Oh, yeah. Father Matthew Graham, Eagle Scout in our oh, yeah. own diocese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Father Ryan Humphreys of the Catholic Underground fame, uh, Eagle Scout. Really? Yeah. Wow. Me. But he hates the outdoors. <laughs> well, he does now. I guess. No, he, he doesn't really. He doesn't really. No, I know. Yeah. I'm yeah. just teasing. Me, Boy Scout. I never got any farther than oh, Boy Scout. I, three weeks I, as a brownie. Yeah, basically, yeah. Same kind of <laughs> That's thing. Boy Scout. What's yeah. up? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and they also have an active participation in their parish ministries. So, you know, mm-hmm. extending out from their personal lives. Um, and beyond just their youth activities. So they were they were visible at mass as altar servers, about 75% served as altar servers. Um, so encourage, if you think your, your child, uh, your, your son has a, an, or a call to the priesthood, encourage him to be an altar server, mm-hmm. to serve at the altar, that's so important. Um, about half served as lectors. 
um, some ministers of the word. Two and mm-hmm. five served as extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then about a third served in some kind of campus ministry, youth ministry, or as catechists in their parish. Maybe they were confirmation sponsors or godfathers, you know, those kinds of tangible ways of being yeah. um, someone who can minister to another person. And to, let me just say it again. Four and five, 75% were altar servers. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a number to, to just kind of throw away. That means uh, priests um, recruit these men to be yeah. altar servers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm telling myself that too. Uh, parents, give your sons to the church as altar servers. Make sure that they can show up to mm-hmm. be altar servers. This is important stuff. It is. You know? They're not just hood ornaments. No. You know? And I put my service to work. They know that. You guys know that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. They know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think what the interesting thing about this survey is that underlying all of this is the basic question of, like, are these young men active in the church because they're discerning the priesthood? Or are they discerning the priesthood because their families are actively mm-hmm. living a life in Christ yep. through the church? And this, you know, all of these percentages and everything tends to suggest that the latter is true, that they're active because... Uh, I mean, that they're discerning the priesthood because their families are so active, because mm-hmm. they've grown up. This is just part of their culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, and right. so these just, these, they're given the, the fertile ground to cultivate the, the seed of their vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what seminarian is, you know, the, 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 the seed sem- bed. Yeah, the yeah. seed bed. That's yeah. what it means is to cultivate the seeds. And that, that begins at baptism, that begins in our parishes and our churches. That's right. Um, you know, so on average, the, the age when they first con- considered the priesthood is 16. The average age of ordination is 34, but 18 years later. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of time to be cultivating that seed. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, as, as parishioners, we, you know, you as a priest, but also just us in, in the pews and in, in our families, we have such a responsibility to do everything we can to inspire that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was in, down in Cutoff, which is in the middle of nowhere, um, <laughs> in the Diocese of Homo Thibodeau today. And there was this little two-year-old boy who went up before the tabernacle and genuflected. Yeah. And, and, Those sorts of things and made blow the me sign away. of the cross. Yeah, and I and his mom showed me pictures of him um, playing with his mask kit in his mm-hmm. living room. And I just had this overwhelming. He even had a little priest haircut. And I was like, <laughs> what is oh. what is priest haircut? Say more about that. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that yeah. later. That's right. Yeah. But I, I just had, I mean, he's two years old. You know, I got this overwhelming feeling like this is, this is what the life of the church well lived looks mm-hmm. like. You know, mm-hmm. a, a two year old who yeah. knows that Jesus is in the tabernacle. They're, right. they're not too young to understand. And when we, th- when we think that young people are old enough, it's already too late. Right. Right. It's, it, like it has to start at two years old. Yep. Why mm-hmm. not? Why not teach them that That's Jesus right. is there? Yeah, you know, and how to how to act in that way. Mm-hmm. We could talk about this forever, but yeah. I guess we need to to, to 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 wrap up and say that that a declining number of priests results from a declining number of Catholics that receive the mm-hmm. sacraments and participate in the life of the mm-hmm. church. We have to be honest about this stuff. We can't mm-hmm. just pretend yeah. that it's uh, it's well just because God isn't calling wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not participating in the sacramental life of the church. Now, if we want more priests. Take your family to Mass every week, every mm-hmm. week, and Holy Days of Obligation, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, do the lowest common denominator stuff. At least follow the precepts of the church. Participate in social and charitable activities of your parish. Please go to parish events. When Father is making those announcements, yeah, show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm so happy that we have movie night in my parish. And even though it's on my day off and I haven't been yet, um, <laughs> uh, to see cars in the parking lot, uh, yeah. sharing family life together is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Live your life as an example of Christ's love. Your children will see it and other people's sons will mm-hmm. see it. Yeah. And then lay the foundation so that when that little whisper comes, mm-hmm. it can be heard. Yeah. We are, we, you parents, we uh, as adults are providing the soil into which the seeds can, can grow. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. 
Well, after all this, it's time for that show, part of the show. Well, I'm Rusty, that we like to call... The CU Pick of the Week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Woo. All right. Pick, pick of the week. All right. Oh, wait. Uh, I, I don't, I have to, to cue up Kathleen's pick of the week. Uh, oh, yeah. Because we're, we're going to go to you. So, oh, so talk first. a little bit okay. about it and it'll so, be ready to go. Um, a bunch of my friends have been on um, this thing called the Camino, the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 500 mile route over, I mean, there's all kinds of, of ways that you can go. Points but, of departure and getting but, to Santiago. Yeah, yeah, but let's just say it's a long, long trek <laughs> um, over Pyrenees Mountains, all to the shrine of St. James at Santiago de Compostela in the northwestern coast of Spain. Now, I was, you know, I was like, what is this? I don't know. It's like a Catholic hipster thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And so I picked up this book um, by uh, this guy named Hape Kirkling. Mm-hmm. He's German. Sounds German. Yeah. Yep, yeah, he is very German. He's a German comedian. It's called I'm Off Then, Losing and Finding Myself on the Camino de Santiago. Oh, wow. Now, let me tell you what got me interested in this <clears throat> the very first line of the description overweight overworked and physically unfit i said yes please this is the one for me right so this yeah. so it's about this german comedian um who in 2001 um it's kind of just lost in his life and what drew me to this book was that it wasn't it wasn't overly religious. I mean, in fact, it's not really religious at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, you know, struggles in the way of the world and he's not Catholic and he's really not even Christian. Um, but you see, he starts to journal and this is his actual journal translated from German, mm-hmm. Germany, uh, from German, yeah, from German, right? Mm-hmm. He is from That's Germany. what they speak in Germany. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, and he just talks about his interaction with the people, what he chooses to do on, on the Camino. And then every once in a while he's like, huh, about this God thing, you know, and it's, it's just, it's very honest. Um, and it's very, um, just kind of raw without being, you know, something that I would read and be scandalized by. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have a, a, a raunch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's some things, I mean, there's some choice language very few times. Um, okay. but yeah, it's, it's just really cool about how, and I haven't finished it yet. Um, but really cool about how this guy in, in searching for himself, um, comes to find God. Uh, in this this trek that everybody was like, what are you doing? <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. And my plan nice. is is next year to go with Father mm-hmm. Ryan on the Camino. Oh, yeah. So, uh, stay tuned. I don't know what that means for the Catholic Underground. It's hard to get data out there, but we'll we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you will. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so that's Kathleen's mm-hmm. pick of the week. Yep. Olivia. Nice. So my pick of the week is an app called Meal Lime. Um, so the word meal, meal and the word lime smushed together, and they huh. make an app. Huh. And um, it's you know, it's another recipe app, but it's fantastic because um, you know, so you open it and you pick a recipe. So this is for Moroccan style chicken with zucchini and couscous, which I've had and was delicious. Mm. And it tells you all of the cookware that you need. Oh, um, that's neat. Tells you all of your ingredients. Um, and then up which, you know, they all do, but then it has instructions and what it has a, a mode called cooking mode. So you open cooking mode and it'll just display the instructions oh, one by one. No, that's nice. And then oh. whenever you're ready, cause you're cooking, cause your I hands are the all order gross. sometimes. Yeah. And it'll tell you, you know, you know, wash zucchini and tomatoes. Oh, crap. I forgot how many zucchini and tomatoes I need. It tells you. Mm. And then when you're ready to go on to the next step, because your hands are all gross and grimy, you just hold it over your phone and it'll move it. Now that's awesome. What? Yeah. It'll 
it'll go to the next ingredient, the next step, I mean. I'm interested. And, you know, and I first tried it, I was like, okay, well, you know, obviously it's a cool app, but the recipes are going to be gross because the the app is so cool. But the recipes are actually delicious. Um, So I really recommend this app um, just for me to have new and different recipes that maybe expand my Pinterest and um, and a a fun way to cook with it. Oh, cool. There you go. Yeah. Jeff, uh, we go from... I'm just thinking meal, lime, meal margaritas. Lime. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I like what you think. Probably some Mexican dishes in there. <laughs> what yeah. did I tell y'all about promises? <laughs> uh, this is real quick. Um, and I got it. Actually, my wife found this this week. It's in the bacon department in the supermarkets. Oh, Jimmy Dean's Simple Scrambles. Uh, for uh, for a low carb way of getting uh, you know uh, breakfast, yeah, getting your protein in there. Yeah, right? it's like it comes two eggs already pre um, blended, pre but they're fresh. Yeah, and uh, what you do is just open the, the the pack, and it's got a pack of meat and and cheese, and then the eggs. So oh. you pour the eggs in there about forty five seconds in the microwave. Pour in the meat, cheese, another forty five seconds, and you got breakfast. Wow, I picked two like of these up today. Two really. Two uh, grams of carbs, yeah, uh, oh for a serve. It's, it's really nice. great. And uh, by the way, for those of you who are interested, the uh, Hillshire Brands does not directly contribute to Planned Parenthood. So there. That's good oh. Good yes. to know. Yeah. Good to know. My pick of the week real quick is Rome 2, the number 2, Rio.com. So oh. you have the ability to plan your trip out leg by leg by leg. It'll tell you where to go, how to get there by air, by train, by, by foot. Uh, by car, by hired car, and it gives you the price mm-hmm. point and everything. Nice. I've used so, it to plan a yeah, trip to really. Europe. It works. It's so awesome. we'll put that in the show notes for you Excellent. so you can discover a little bit more. But first, Jeff, of course, we have to uh, to say that that we are very grateful for all of you who have prayed for us while we've been on hiatus on yes. huh, getting things together for this new season and all of our benefactors. Yes, and this week and every week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. So join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And also portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. And also by Mystic Mock Coffee. Yep. More information at catholicunderground.tv. That's right. If you want the show notes, you can go to catholicunderground.com. And our panelists this week have been uh, the inimitable Kathleen Lee. She's oh. the benefactress. Remember <laughs> that? Ah, yes. She's our faith ninja <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. at Kathleen yes, Y-A-B-R. Also, Olivia Galino, who's uh, now an employee for our, our wonderful Diocese of Baton Rouge. And then, of course, we got Jeff Blackwell. And our research assistant is uh, Jim Hayes. Our video director is Ed Ball. You know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter if you want. Digital Catholic is the handle. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. He's there, we promise. We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith Gone Digital, and we will see you next time. It's good to be back.